0: I think that most people will say that they've learned more from their mistakes than they did from their successes, yet, being wrong remains one of the most feared outcomes in life. In this podcast, I share lessons learned from mistakes that have helped me to become a more authentic version of myself. I believe that the key to personal growth starts with being okay with not always getting it right. My name is Lonnie Wiz III, and this is what I did wrong. Miller, how is it going? It is going quite well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty, pretty good. I'm super excited that the weather is warming up. And I'm excited to have you on the podcast, finally. We're making this happen.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know what the weather was like today. I heard it was in the 60s, but um, I have been indoors. And <laughs> I am excited about this, though.
0: yes yes i took a walk today which speaking of wellness is what we'll be talking about today i was like i have to walk around this block today because i felt so anxious Mm -hmm. um and i was just like i gotta get out of here so i did feel what it felt like and it felt pretty good and i also have a balcony so sometimes i'll just go Mm -hmm. inhale exhale on -hmm. the balcony come on
1: balcony up, yes, upscale living.
0: <laughs> yes, upscale living <laughs> in the Bronx. Yes, in the Bronx. Right in the Bronx, living my best balcony life. Oh, so, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, again, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and I really am excited about the topic today, which is wellness. I feel like when I think of the people in my circle. Um, And I think about wellness, you are the first person that's top of mind. So I'm excited to talk about it with you today. My podcast really, as you know, is all about mistakes. And I think that that's the best way to learn. So Mm -hmm. I want to chat a little bit with you about wellness and some mistakes and things that we all can do to be a little bit better at it and to kind of just open our minds. So with that being said, let's start with the first item of the night, which is how would you define wellness?
1: Well, When I think about wellness, I really do think about it as a triad um, of mind, body, and spirit. I think it's really important to hit all of those areas. Um, it's not just one or the other or two and not the last.
0: Um, I think of it as something that's complete. That's definitely a cool thing because when I think about how I've kind of come in to know what wellness was, I definitely didn't have an idea that it was a complete thing. I thought it was like one thing, you know, mm-hmm. like whenever I thought it was, like I thought it was yoga, or I thought whatever it was, it was one thing and it was unattainable.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and and you're not alone in that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, and, and it's taken me sometimes also. I think realize that it's not just one thing that there's multiple facets of our lives as we're working through things. And it's important to lean on all of those things at at one point or another. Um, because I think that, I think growing up, many of us are taught to lean into our spiritual, um, and give a lot of our issues and ailments and problems to, to a higher power. Um, but not realizing that you also have to put some work in on your, on, the, on your
0: end too. Yeah. What did they used to say in church? Like something about um, faith without works is dead. Ooh, yes. come <laughs> on. Hey, <shaman>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background, where you're from and how you kind of wound up in this wellness space?
1: I'm from New York. I'm a New Yorker. Um, originally from Brooklyn. Uh, and then I spent some time up in Buffalo as well. Um, and so I've been in New York majority of my life. Yeah, uh, I have lived around here and there. Um, I did college and undergrad down in Atlanta. Um, and I had a brief stay in South Carolina. But New York is home. New York is where I come from. And um, I'm back here. And it is quite uh, a difference living in New York as an adult, having to pay for bills and things like that on your own. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Talk about um, it. The struggle is real. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yes, it's been definitely a journey in terms of how I wound up in the wellness space, in the beginning, at least. Uh, I think that many of us go through an experience um, being told or seeing it as one specific way. Um, And one of the things that I had to realize is that I had to kind of carve out my own path about what that's going to look like for me. Um, and, it, and it has been a journey. It's been a journey uh, even within itself. And I'm really excited to be at this point where I have a bit more clarity about the direction in which I'm
0: moving in. I was talking to someone recently who's going through a transition in their life. And I was like, how is it going for you? How are you feeling? And they were like, I feel clear. I, was, mm. I feel scared, but I feel clear. I said, baby, clarity is the answer because you can navigate just about anything with clarity. So speaking of your wellness journey and your professional journey, can you tell me a little bit about how you got into the industry and you also have your own business? So can you tell us about the business and kind of what the mission is and what services you offer? How I got into wellness
1: was that I was working at a job that wasn't quite making ends meet. And I think for many of us, we, especially in New York, we experienced this um, feeling of not having enough. Uh, to, and, and even though we're working hard, a lot of us are still struggling to keep our heads afloat. And I was seeing a personal trainer at the time who I had built a pretty good relationship with. And I was just kind of expressing how I felt in terms of me feeling like I needed a second job, but also me knowing in my spirit that I didn't have it in me to do another job that sucked the life out of me. Um, And he had suggested that, you know, I become a personal trainer. And he told me that, you know, get certified and, and he'll help guide me along the way. And so that's what I did. You know, while at my job, I started to work on my certification. um, And I got certified through the national Academy of sports medicine, um, which is a national certification. Um, And it's pretty well recognized within the industry. And um, I also ended up getting my uh, nutrition certification through Precision Nutrition. And so I started that journey about maybe five, almost six years ago at this point, uh, in terms of getting the education, the background that was needed. I think the next step after that was really getting the experience that I needed. Um, And at the same time, trying to figure out what this journey looked like for me. Because in that job that I was working at at the time, I had discovered that I was a teacher. Um, And I had to even at that point define again, what did that mean for me? Um, And when I did some soul searching, what I found was that the type of teaching that I, the type of teacher that I am is not necessarily one where you teach kids, right? Because I think in many ways we may in our minds, um, from one vantage point, think about it in just that way. And so I've learned that mentorship is also a form of teaching um, and that there's many different ways to teach. And and so how did I begin to take that in which I was really good at and blend it with what it is that I'm doing um, through the the wellness industry and the fitness industry? And so I didn't want to lose the aspect of of teaching because I, I thought it was really important, and one of the things I, I began to do was to um, look at corporate wellness and, and looking at ways to educate people within the the um, workplace. And so, after doing some things with that, um, with my last job, I decided to kind of branch off and, and start my own business, which is Kate and Wellness. And so um, I am the founder, and our mission is to partner with others to help them and making deliberate changes in their life to to be more fulfilled at work and at home. And so right now we are currently offering seminars that are geared towards the working community where we educate clients around movement, uh, nutrition basics, and understanding our energy needs and how to avoid burnout.
0: Me and you, we have similar paths in that I'm also a teacher in a very kind of non-traditional way, like I work with students, but high school students outside of school and arts programs. And I had that same exact feeling. Like I knew that teaching was and facilitating was my gift, but I didn't necessarily want to be a K through 12 teacher within the walls of the school. It just didn't sit right with me. I felt like there wasn't enough freedom. And I feel like the way that we're teaching kind of gives us that freedom. So that's super cool. I feel like I don't see a lot of representation from Black folks having wellness consulting especially types of businesses and I kind of wish that I had access to that like when I think about my whole journey with wellness I would say the first time I took my wellness seriously was when I was diagnosed with high blood pressure so I was like 20 man I think I was 24 and I went to the doctor I knew I was overweight I mean I'm six Four, and at the time I was about 305 pounds and I didn't really know because I wasn't really weighing myself and anyway I just went in for a routine um, doctor's appointment and they were like hey you have high blood pressure and you need to start taking medicine like you're you're yeah. like obese and I'm like oh my gosh what is a BMI and they're telling me and I think that my relationship with wellness really came one because I was scared for my life but two I didn't like the way I was treated like I had a white doctor who was just kind of like take these pills you're fat BMI means that you know you're fat and you're dying and I was just like okay there was no sort of like um bedside manner bedside (laughs) manner um it was very cold and it was very like go out there and figure it out and what I learned was that because high blood pressure was preventative that if I lost the weight, there was a high chance that I would no longer have to deal with it on a regular basis, even though it's hereditary in a lot of ways for me that it could come back. But when I learned that I went on this huge weight loss journey, but the weight loss journey was an unhealthy weight loss journey. And I think we sometimes don't think of weight loss journeys as unhealthy, especially back then, like everything was like diet. This was in the era of the Atkins diet and stuff. And I wasn't doing that. But I just was like, very like, I'm going to eat clean, and I'm going to lose this weight. So I don't have high blood pressure, which in, in one sense is a great thing. And I, I don't have it anymore. And it did work. But through that journey, I found that it's not just about aesthetics, like wellness is not just about what I look like. It's like, what do I feel like? And what are some of the practices that are in my everyday life. And I'm from Baltimore. And at the time I was in Baltimore, I lived in a food desert. Mm-hmm. I was living on a college campus at the time. So I was really overweight. And my eating practices were bad because I was eating from the dining hall. And my I was just, I had free food. I had a meal plan with my job. And so being in a food desert, being a black boy, not knowing what to do, coming from a, a, a traditional, I would say, black family where Our eating practices or relationships with food weren't good. I didn't have any resources, so I just reached out to, like, YouTube and stuff like that. So I definitely think that learning more through my own research has been really great, but I feel like it was way too hard for me to find the information, you know? Mm -hmm. Welcome to the new standard of pre-love shopping. Welcome to the shop. The shop is a thoughtfully curated online boutique featuring a unique selection of pre-loved and vintage accessories, clothing, and home items that are one of a kind, just like you. Check out the shop today at lonnywasthethird.com/forward/slash/the-shop, and don't forget to sign up to be a shop VIP member at lonnywasthethird.com/forward/slash/shopVIP. You will receive ten percent off of your first purchase. Welcome to the shop. One of a kind, just like you. times like the images that I would see of wellness or what was considered healthy is either like a skinny girl, she's white, she has a yoga mat, she has on like a really cool Lululemon like you know bra and she looks so happy and she's drinking her smoothie and her um, acai bowl or whatever Mm -hmm. or you see like super muscular guys either like athletes or trainers as you mentioned they're shirtless Um, but the representation doesn't seem to kind of fit or represent everyone. So I wanted to ask you like, why is representation important to you in the work that you do personally and in your business? And like, how do you hope to kind of disrupt that culture to make it more inclusive?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, And I think that your story and sharing that is really powerful. And these are the type of things that I think that are important for um, us as a community to be able to, to see. And, you know, when I, first started my own wellness journey and and being someone who is now working in the industry in some type of way I never really thought about what does my being in that space actually represent for other people Mm -hmm. um and and I think that is just really also just coming to terms with um I think my path in which I'm supposed to walk and always having felt like that, I, my, my calling was higher than what it was that I, that I was in in, this, in the current space um, prior to me, you know, moving through fear, moving through all those things I think mm-hmm. that I needed to move through in order to be where I'm at right now. And when I do look at the, the industry, you're, you're right, it is a very specific um, viewing of what it is to be well. And I think that when we talk about things like food deserts, when we talk about things like representation, um, what we see does matter, um, and and how we are able to perceive it also matters, and and being, you know, a part of what that is going to look like. Because as you said earlier, um, and I don't know, you know, I, I I'm sorry that that incident happened with the the doctor. But that is something that high blood pressure is something that actually runs in, in many families of of black and brown people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having someone who understands that could empathize with you a bit more about how to approach those type of things. Because for me, holistic, the holistic approach is probably the better alternative. Um, as opposed to just jumping on medication. And I think it's unfortunate that in our society that many doctors are quick to just prescribe you something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of just, you know, actually understanding that this is something that is preventative. Like you, we get to where we're at, you know, in a certain way and change takes time. Um, And so, you know, being now in this space, I do hope to actually, especially with the approach that I'm taking in terms of wellness in my business, I really do hope to help inspire people who look like me to understand that you too can be well. Like this is not just for a set group of people and that we have our own set journey and that we have our own um, triggers and we have our own issues economically that we have to uh, experience to, to in order to get to that space, but it is something that's tangible. And I think that, um, you know, I really do hope that I'm able to
0: impact people in a in a positive way to understand that. When I was going through that, and just as I continue to, like, for instance, I think yoga is a great example. Like, I didn't understand that yoga was I thought that yoga was religious in, in a lot of ways, um, or or like, like I thought it was something similar to like Buddhism or something. Uh-huh. I, I didn't realize that yoga was something that I could do that I didn't have to have like a, any specific uh, affiliation with in like a different type of way. And so I think that was a huge misconception. What are some things or some myths about personal wellness that you think people have that you would like to clear up or that you think could be kind of in their way
1: yeah I think um, I would say the biggest thing that I, I would talk about is, is the idea of readiness mm. and that readiness is just something that we can just turn on um, and the truth is that there are stages of readiness and, it, and it's, a, it's a cycle um, and so there are about six stages of, of change that people actually move through before they actually are at a space where they're in a pattern of, of going through that. The first stage that we, we tend to be in, and I think this is for anything. This is not just, this is not just wellness. This is for, I think, any habit, right. Is a, is a pre-contemplation stage. Um, and usually someone in this stage is is unaware or they're in denial that change is necessary or, or even warranted and so somebody in this stage will often say something like um, I'm just here because dot 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 right um, I'm just here because my doctor told me that I need to come people I think are in that stage initially uh, and then the next stage uh, is contemplation right so someone in this stage is aware that a change needs to be made but they still have some mixed feelings about it um And I can say personally, I went through this uh, for sure. And I remember it with my relationship with, with talk therapy, right. Is that I kept having a repetitive issue. I knew at this point that I needed to talk to somebody, but there was still resistance there. Um, The next stage is preparation. So someone in this phase is seriously considering the how to get to the next step. So they're aware that something needs to be done but they're not quite sure how to get there and so someone in that stage might say that uh, I know when I do and in my case it was journaling uh for for my relationship with therapy um that I know when I journal I feel better or I know when I talk to a friend I feel better um so there's there was this level of awareness there was a level of relief in that step but I still wasn't quite ready to move forward. And then the next step is action, right? So in this stage, typically a client will actively decide to make a change, which is often the hardest stage because it requires us to move through fears and stress and anxiety around whatever it is that we were telling ourselves that was preventing us to actually get from point A to point B. Um, And then the next stage after that is maintenance. Um, And this tends to be a challenging part because – it's easy to to revert back into our old habits. Um, we literally have to override a pattern in our brain uh, for our behavior to then stick, the new behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some may say that relapse is the next step. It's, it's one of those things that happens. It happens. And I think a really good example that I can share with with your listeners is that in the last, I'd say, six months, I've been on a meditation practice journey. And one of the things that happened for me was, I think I was approaching day 50, and I had forgot to meditate. And all of a sudden, I just started beating myself up about it. And I started feeling really bad. Um, And so in that process, I had to learn um, how to give myself grace, because it's a learning process. And it's not something that happens overnight. It takes time to to actually get into the rhythm of it. And so, you know, the two biggest things that I would say that are there is to to give yourself grace. And if you, you do fall off the wagon in your process of, of of whatever it is that you're doing to approach a level of wellness, just get back on. You know, take a moment, you know, do what you need to do and, and get back on. And And if you are choosing to work with a professional, It is important to to work with someone who can meet you where you're at um, so that your desired changes are sustainable. Um, So I think that definitely readiness is one of those things that people assume is something that if you're if you want to change, you can just change. And that is that it's just going to be something easy. And oftentimes it's not.
0: Yeah, that can be applied to everything. Like readiness has levels to it. I like that. I'm going to keep that in my bookmark. Pocket. It. you go ahead. Bookmark <laughs> that. <laughs> Definitely bookmarking <laughs> that because that is real, especially that maintenance stage. And it's funny that you talked about beating yourself up about um that journey. Because I was actually meditating this morning, and I was just listening to the audio recording. And and in the recording, they said if you fi- if you find yourself if your mind wandering, that's okay because it's normal Mm -hmm. like and it was so normalized and i remember when i first approached meditation i thought that it meant that i had to have this unbreakable uh, a focus that didn't that like drowned out everything but that Mm -hmm. that's like unrealistic in a lot of ways like you're gonna especially if you're not doing it every day um your, your muscle may not be built and and again, that's not necessarily the goal, right? Like, and I realized that like, okay, the goal isn't necessarily for my mind to stop working because I'm still a human being. I'm still gonna think about, oh, I wonder if I'm, if did I take out the, the food for dinner tonight? You know, your mind starts worrying about things. And so another thing that it made me think about with that maintenance stage, that's super real because um, once I went through, just continuing on the weight loss journey, once I found a way to manage my weight, Then I had body dysmorphia and Mm -hmm. then I had to work on my relationship with food. And I think it was in 2019, I finally went to a nutritionist because I think my focus Miller in the beginning was like, well, if I just get a trainer, then I'll like my body and then I'll be fine. But what I learned was I needed to figure out what is this thing with food? Not necessarily first, they could have happened in tandem, But I was like, let me try the nutritionist route and see what happened. And when I tell you that it totally changed everything for me because one thing that I remember from that nutritionist was like, I think it was in our second session, um, he told me that there's no such thing as a bad food. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, yes, there are, what about this? What about cupcakes? We assign value to food. Food is food, right? There's obviously food that has different nutrients and others that are more nutrient rich or have different qualities but when you sit and think about you know uh, a food being bad because i definitely was like carbs are bad and rice is bad and pasta is bad and like you know and it's just it it just created this tension every day every time i'm going to put something in my mouth i'm so conscious of it because i'm thinking about you know being fat or whatever the case was but that was a really cool step in my wellness journey that I, I think is something that I would definitely um, suggest to people to try at least once if you can afford it. But we know affordability, again, becomes an issue back to representation that we that kind of happens as well. It's real. Yeah. Last year, in one of the craziest years of, of history, you released something that I think was super helpful, and it was a workbook entitled "Get Clear." Mm-hmm. Can you tell me and the listeners a little bit more about that workbook?
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's really funny because you you said earlier that um, there was something about getting clear that was really important to you. You see, you see what I did there? You, uh, you I, did, I did, there? I did. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so my my the the workbook that was created um, is called "Get Clear" a mindfulness workbook. Um, and it was, last year was just wild. 2020 was a wild year and I had officially started the business, um, last year. And, you know, the plan was to do these onsite seminars when I would go from company to company and help people to understand, uh, through seminars, um, these different things that they can do to work on themselves and then boom we get into a pandemic <laughs> and everybody starts moving into this work from home um, type of state and it was just really interesting because I kept saying to myself um, through observe first through observation I saw a lot of people saying um, certain things about just the anxiety around having to stay home Mm-hmm. the anxiety around not being able to leave the house, the anxiety of not being able to, to go hang out with friends and 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 go to the bar or go to the movies or whatever it is that, that people were doing prior to the pandemic. And the one thing I kept saying to myself was, this is the time for people to work on themselves. This is the time for people to work on themselves. This is the time for people to work on themselves. And then it hit me, that that was easy for me to say as someone who has been working to obtain certain tools to actually do my work, but not everybody has those tools and not everybody has, you know, access to certain things. And so um, it came to me to create this workbook. And in the workbook um, I explored my relationship with journaling and how much it helped me to understand my thoughts and and understand my why uh, behind certain things. And so I I created this workbook and and it's covering sections on mind, body, and spirit. So it explores topics of relationship of love um, and that's self-love and that's our relationship with the idea of love, um, topics on forgiveness, exploration about what brings us joy it talks about smart goals and how to create them and the importance of them um it talks about how to understand the power of the words i am and and creating a awareness of of owning who you are and who you want to become um and it talks about breathing so it it covers just a range of topics all dealing with wellness. And, you know, thus far, I've gotten some fantastic feedback um, on, on the workbook. And I'm just happy that people are connecting with it and how I, you know, how I initially intended it to be. Because, you know, creating it is one thing and putting a lot of uh, love and dedication into it is one thing. But um, actually hearing that it's actually helping people is is a whole other story. And that's really beautiful.
0: Yeah, it is. And I, I think that it's just so cool to have tools. And I think you're right. Like I'm similar to you. And we often talk about this. And I think we have that in common. Like I'm someone who is super interested in self-development. Like I've always been like that. I've always been interested and intrigued by the fact that we can truly choose to become different versions of ourselves and better versions and that we can find tools and do the work and all that stuff. But I do find that some people don't have those tools. And I think you're absolutely right about 2020. I think for me, it was so wild because as someone who, you know, does do that work often, I was thrown off because I thrive off of structure. Mm. And then coronavirus came and said there is no structure everything (laughs) is chaos like you don't even have the structure of leaving your house to go to work to even give you like eight hours or ten hours where you're focused on something and I found myself really going into like this perfectionism that I used to deal with really heavily and like Mm -hmm. trying to find ways to validate myself through what I was doing for work or what I was doing in my relationship so 2020 i got clear about the fact that i am worthy of love come on like just because just because i am here and i am worthy i didn't realize all the small and not so small ways that i was validating my worth through external things like work or showing up as a certain type of friend or showing up as a certain type of lover presenting myself in a specific type of way. It's the first time that I've truly said, what am I worth? And I remember that part of that journey was, remember all of our comforts were taken away. Like people couldn't go to the nail shop. We couldn't get our hair cut. We couldn't really shop except for online. I remember not having a haircut for two months for the first time ever. Mm. I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, who am I? Am I a fresh shape up? Mm. Or am I, Lonnie was the third without a shape up, who is that person and it was some deep work and I got clear about a lot of things and I definitely have cracked open your book many a time to continue to and I love that the book kind of offers prompts and also it's it's a good mix between prompts and information but also opportunity for you to be creative which I love yes
1: yes that's really really good to hear and um, and what it is to have hair. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> I just need access to a razor. Come on. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. Uh, the reason why I started this podcast was because I really feel like there's not enough emphasis on mistakes. I feel like cancel culture has created a space where people are kind of, I guess, held accountable for their mistakes and then kind of punished. You know, or not kind of, but punished for their mistakes. So there is this kind of awareness of mistakes. But I think that when I was developing the podcast, I really wanted there to be, I wanted it to feel kind of like a confessional, like where it's like you go in, you say what you did wrong, and then you, you go on and you live your life and you either apply the lessons or you become a better person, you share it with someone else. so, in thinking about mistakes and in focus our focus on wellness today, what do you think is one mistake that people make, whether it be a client a former client or kind of some things that you 've seen um, before starting their wellness journey? because I, I think I love what you said about those stages. I think when we're thinking about doing something uh, that especially something that is just for us, you know our own personal journey we can get into our own heads and really kind of talk ourselves out of it. Um, so what would you say you think is like a big mistake that people can make before starting that journey? I don't want to generalize, um, because wellness is such a personal thing
1: and it is different from person to person, but through my observation of working with people, um, what I've noticed is that people often talk themselves out of something they know they should be doing, um, especially when it gets uncomfortable, they move away from Mm -hmm. it, Um, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they need to be doing to, to improve their lives. Um, But, you know, in my experience, that's exactly where the growth is. The growth is, the, the growth is in the uncomfortable bits. And so I often encourage people to explore the why behind those feelings that may come up during those periods so that they can continue to push through and get to the other side so they can continue their wellness
0: journey. For whatever reason, you know, Eyal aunt lives rent-free in my mind <laughs> for better or worse, for better or worse. I think that she, on that show, she does a lot of things wrong and she does a lot of things right, in my opinion. And I couldn't help, but think about when she, when people are struggling with her process, she often says, she reminds them of that. What they've been doing hasn't been working, which is why they reached out to her mm-hmm. right now, for better or for worse. Like you said, we often know I want to make a change. So I'm going to go to Lonnie or I'm going to go to Miller to make this change. And then as soon as we present something that it's like, I don't want to do that. It's like, right. well, <laughs> you needed help, right? So, um, and I, I just think of her because she definitely does that. And, and you often see it. I mean, the way she does it in her show, she obviously exaggerates the portion that she makes it super uncomfortable, I think, partially. For good reason and partially for entertainment, but at the point where it's like you want me to do what? You want me to list out all of my fears on a mirror and then jump into a dig dig a hole and jump into it.
1: <laughs> and and that goes back to what we were talking about about if you're if you're working with a professional, make sure it's somebody that can meet you where you're at. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, for um, sure. And because it, it is important, I think that is you know in, in my experience when I was a personal trainer there are certain types of clients, right? Some clients really enjoy a drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of them like, oh, they need that. They need that person to get in their face and yell at them and tell them that they're, you know, and talk down to them. And if, listen, if that's if that's what works for you, <laughs> then by all means, you know, get that type of, of person that's going to help you. But I know that that's not who I am, right? Um, and I'm more curious about why somebody is not going to do uh, something that is suggested Um, because and helping them to work through it because I've often found that those are areas where people sustain the change is when they're working through um, whatever it is that they're they're resistant towards instead of being forced to do it.
0: we're going to move into our last segment, which I call the do better segment when I have guests. And these are just kind of like little nuggets that we want to leave with the listeners of things that they can do better in, in relation to the topic, which today is wellness. So my do better, I think is remembering that wellness is not a one size fits all that you can do something small every day or once a week to create a new habit that is going to, kind of elevate the quality of your life and thinking of it that way, like, what can I do today? What can I do in this moment? I found that I used to kind of look at wellness as like this holistic thing that has to take over my whole life. And that can be overwhelming, especially by yourself. Now I kind of look at it like when I wake up today, like today, I felt that I needed to gently move into my day as opposed to rushing into it like I normally do, but I don't necessarily have a practice where I gently move into my day every day. I'm working on building it, but I was giving myself the grace to do that today. So that's my do better is just to remember that it's not one way to be well and that you can do something small. How about you? Mm,
1: That's really good. I love it. Uh, Because that is definitely something that people, uh, need to do is, is take small steps, right? Um, so something that I think um, that I just want to, I guess I'll frame it in, in the context of, of the listeners, right? And, yeah. and, and inviting them, and inviting it in a way of saying we. And I think that we as a people can honestly do a better job with prioritizing ourselves and not being ashamed about it. Um, I think that's the bigger part because so many of us come from families where we are taught to put others' well-being before our own. Um, and in many instances, that's not working for us. Um, so we are continuing to empty our cup while trying to support others, and that's not helping us to, to be there uh, in, in full support uh, the best that we can be by taking care of ourselves first. So do something for yourself every day that's going to make sure that you are um, taking time for yourself. Um, something that I do for for me, that I find to be very important, um, is my morning time. When I first wake up, I don't want to deal with drama. I don't want to deal with issues. I don't want to deal with, like with anything that is not of just moving into that day w- with a fresh mind. Um, and 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 a part of that is my my morning meditation practice. Um, and I prioritize that. I prioritize getting up and and taking some time for myself and and easing into to the day. So I agree with you on, on that part,
0: and that would be my do better. I love that. Normalize prioritizing yourself, yes. and that is on wellness for all. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it's also on. So I saw someone write today that's on Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Come on. <laughs> Well, Miller, I'm so excited that we were able to have this conversation. Before we head out, I want to make sure that everyone knows how to get in touch with you or how to get in touch with your business. So if you want to drop any of your social media handles or websites, feel free to do so now. Yes,
1: and I'm happy to announce that I will be dropping a podcast very soon. So if you enjoyed this, um, feel free to tune in for that. That's coming soon. Um, So follow me on social media at Wellness. Um, And for more business information, or if you're looking to purchase Get Clear, you can go to katenwellness.com.
0: Well, I have gotten so clear in this conversation. And I think that one thing that we didn't mention that is a huge, important part of my wellness practice is um, being very particular about who is in my circle And who I speak with and engage with and share space with. And this has truly been an uplifting journey. So I encourage everyone to find people in your tribe, whether they're close members or even further members that elevate your mind, elevate your spirit, and just elevate you Mm -hmm. so that you can be the best you that that you want to be. And they support you in that. So, Miller, thank you for being a part of that for me. Thank you. You're welcome. And everyone, we will see you in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the What I Did Wrong podcast. Be sure to follow the show over on Instagram at What I Did Wrong podcast. There are new episodes bi-weekly on Wednesdays. Until next time, remember that mistakes do not define you and regret was meant to refine you. I'm your host, Lonnie Woods III, leaving you in love, peace, and style.